Cloudspeaker Studios. from Tromerville. This is Lloyd Kaufman, president of Troma Entertainment, creator of the Toxic Avenger and professional foot fetishist. Uh, you're listening to Talkin' Troma with Zach Bynes. But uh, the actual way to pronounce it is Zach Beans, like uh, Hilla Beans. And let me tell you, the uh, Talkin' Troma webcast uh, is a podcast. It's, uh, you don't need to see it. It's so uh, visual in uh, your ears. Uh, in fact, you can taste it. Talking Troma by Zach Beans. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. It's really huge. Welcome to the show. And welcome to the season finale of season two of Talkin' Troma with your host, me, Zach Bynes. This is a very special episode, one that I've been waiting to do for a while. Uh, but before I really crack into anything, I want to thank everybody who's been out there supporting the show, listening, reaching out on the social medias. Uh, I definitely appreciate that. Um, and I got some big news for the show. Um, I'm going to announce it here, but uh, it has been picked up by the Loudspeaker Network. So what that means is I will get some better equipment to record with, uh, so the shows will sound better. They'll actually have an audio engineer, so they will sound better than uh, than what I'm doing on my own. Uh, and just, you know, some more research uh, resources. So it's pretty exciting. Um, I can't wait for, for that, and they're going to be bringing Season 3. Uh, coming to your ear hole shortly, um, so stay tuned for that. But really, let's crack into why we're all here, and let's let's hear my uh, my uh, interview with the man himself, Mister Lloyd Kaufman. Hotel with the uh, trauma team from Denver, including. Uh, uh, Maggie, aka Super Tromet, uh, uh, dysmorphia. Dis dysmorphia. <laughs> That's better than the last Tromet name you gave her. Do you do you remember that one? I chose my own. Thank you. Yeah, you you are very intellectual, dysmorphia. What what you you read a lot? I know, but is that why you think you have a big vocabulary, or is it uh, your folks nature. or something? Or? But you must read a you must read a lot. No joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How to make movies by Lloyd Kaufman. <laughs> How to make your own damn movie. Oh, thank you. It's very, uh, and where the red fur grows. <laughs> I can't read that. That makes me cry when they oh. kill the dogs. Yeah. <laughs> There's only one other time I cried when a dog was killed. <laughs> Old yellow. I was gonna say Toxic Avenger. No, oh, it, oh, oh. no, uh, I I can't handle it in like, I mean, in Toxic Avengers comical, but I can't handle whenever like uh, 
they're killing animals and something. I don't want to watch that. That's why I don't recommend I agree, watch yeah. Wes Anderson movies because he hates you for that. I don't recommend Wes Anderson movies is because he uh, is pretentious. <laughs> what? Oh, come on now. Do you like? Well, you, now you have to take that out. You're going I, to, you're I'll, going to get, I'll cut that out. You're going to get canceled for that. I, <laughs> I was already uh, canceled when I was in film school. There was the kids who wanted to make Reservoir Dogs. There was the kids who wanted to make Wes Anderson movies. And then there was me and Richard who wanted to make trauma movies. <laughs> and so we were canceled. Yes. Yeah, what about Maggie? What, what, yeah. what did you want to make, though, in film school? I made music videos. Music videos are fun. I love making music videos. Maybe Maggie can come closer and oh, get. No, 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 no. no, I'm gonna record something with Maggie later. No, no, it's uh, it makes it more entertaining. That no, way. no, Lloyd, this is gonna be you and me. Stupidest but... questions and and my answers. <laughs> my answers are gonna be totally worthless. So you actually have a brain here, and it'd be nice. Forget that we went to film school. No, it's true. We did. We've and and. Maggie was one of the few people. Well, it's actually it's funny because we met um, on Cannibal Girl and Incest Boy. Um, she she was. Uh, oh, how romantic! So, yeah, you get, so. It was a misled romance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who who well, I can't remember who was that uh, did that movie that movie. Uh... That was me, and Richard. Oh, oh, all right. And, and Maggie. Well, we crushed your head in outside of Curly's store in Albuquerque. Ah, that's it. I mean, that was a long time ago. Yeah, no wonder I can't remember my head. I head don't was, worry, though. We're going to go crushed. back further than 2007. I'm glad they fight it again. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the head's back to full format. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah. That was a, I, I miss Troma Dance. In well, uh, Park City. Oh well, uh, it sure is nicer where we do it now. It's well, yeah, so it's much not more 15 fun. Fifteen degrees. Yeah, it's great, and you've got a huge crowd, and you've got the drive-in projection that's beautiful. So the kids get to see their movies on this huge. It's the, instead they, of in rum bunnies. Yeah, in exactly. Like a ski bar. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. So right. Turn, right. turn right. the volume up on the TV yeah, exa- louder than the drunk guy ordering. <laughs> yeah, his exactly. Boots. Although the Bruvies was really. Bruvies nice. had pretty decent. Uh, and it was free. Yeah. It was free in Bruvies, too. Well, and that, but it was cool. Like, I, I had to pick Karen Black up for one of the panels. Oh, that's, I remember that, right? It and was, then uh, I, I, think, I don't remember if it was you or Gabe, but you're like, Zach, you need to clean your fucking car up because you got to get Karen Black from the airport. Yeah, it was kind of a wreck of a car, I remember. It was like, it, well, so, because we filmed Cannibal Girl and a bucket of blood flipped over on one of the seats, yeah. so I just like put newspaper over it oh, like wow. a bad dog. <laughs> But she, Karen, was so nice. She wasn't she. I mean, she she, she, so nice. she didn't care about that kind of stuff. Whereas Lynn Lowry uh, was kind of uh, uh, oh, uh, 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 like Karen Black, you know, very open-minded and yeah. uh, and uh, Karen was a really beautiful person. It was very uh, that friendly, movie friendly you guys made together. The the little silly short on some of the trauma dance the the vampires like that was her she had this idea i had nothing to do with it she karen (laughs) just out of the blue wanted to do that exactly the way we shot it yeah and to this moment i forgot about it thank you for well so i upload so what i've been doing 
is I've been going through all my old VHS tapes and every single trauma DVD and uploading every special feature to archive it so people can see it. Mm. Um, right now I have a disc of every single trauma team video introduction uh, that you and Michael have done. Oh, great. And that's How not, cool is that, man? There, there's no archive of that anywhere. No, Maybe on trauma no. now. I might send John. No, I don't think there is. That I might send a, John those things. Uh, yeah, it's a special make sure feature. I'm in on that when you do that so that uh, I know it's there. You know. It, it's just even if like some of like the advertise you know the quote advertisements aren't valid anymore it's oh, so just what? That's it's great yeah it's nice like to see like brick bronsky rest in peace yeah to yeah. see him promoting this stuff like back then or um jane jets jane jensen doing these things is really cool yeah 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 we're good whenever you're ready cool yeah. all righty well uh i'm, I'm gonna do this all official good Good morning, Tromaville, and welcome to a very special episode of Talking Troma with your host, me, Zach Bynes. And uh, this is the episode I'm pretty sure everybody has been uh, waiting for. I know I've been getting messaged about it. And uh, I have a very special guest right across the table from me. I had to do this live. I couldn't do it over Zoom because it wouldn't be appropriate. Mr. Well, the creator of the Toxic Avenger, president of Troma Entertainment, and my mentor and hero, Lloyd Kaufman. Uh, uh, Zach Beans. <laughs> Zach Beans, come over and give me a hug. You're the son I always wanted but never had. You're so soft. Oh, oh man. Talk about Elijah Wood. Huh? I got some wood. That, uh, got my Peter right, Dinklage. Get back to your side of the table. <laughs> so... One one of the things I've I've been trying to do with this show is show that trauma actually means a lot more than just the Toxic Avenger class of Newcomb High. You've been a, a shining beacon in the storm of the big Hollywood system for the indie filmmakers uh, for almost 50 years now. And you've helped... Uh, myself and my friend Richard Taylor out. You've and you've helped countless other indie filmmakers out. Just getting our voices out there and getting other filmmakers' voices out there, and you see merit in what other indie filmmakers are doing. And I do want to thank you right off the top for doing that. Well, thank you very much, Zach, and thank you and Richard for driving out uh, from to uh, from Denver to Buffalo to sleep on the floor and learn how to defecate in a paper bag <laughs> on Poultry Guys, Night of the Chicken Dead. And Gabe Friedman and I immediately fell in love with you guys. I, I don't know if I've ever told you uh, this story, how I got introduced to Troma. And I know I've mentioned it on my first episode, but you know, if you've heard this before, uh, fuck everybody, it's my show. So I, I want, one of my buddies knew I was a huge Trey Parker and Matt Stone fan. And I loved uh, basketball in the South Park, but I haven't really seen too much more. And he said, um, hey, do you want a copy of this movie, Cannibal the Musical? Um, I'll bootleg it for you. And I was like, oh, that sounds so cool. He's like, but I think I'll put the trailers on um, that are before that. They're by this like weird company called Troma. <laughs> and I think, I think you might like their movies. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'll check it out. And... Little did I know that me telling him to include the trailers for Cannibal, the musical, would change my life, like, 
more than I could ever imagine. Wow. Well, what a great honor to hear that, let me tell you. Michael Hers would be very proud if he was sitting oh, right here. Yeah, he'll uh, just slide the cease and desist right over the table no, for my No, not show. at all. He loves you guys. He just doesn't appear in public, but he's I, I, very you know, appreciative. I, I would like to talk to Michael one day. Yeah. Just well, even on a, on a personal level, I, I just to say yeah. thank you. I've never met him. Yeah. I would love to. Yeah, I, I, yeah, we just have to explain to him, and uh, to, yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah. He's a very good guy. He just doesn't. Once we got successful, he didn't want to do any more <laughs> publicity. He didn't like that kind of stuff. It's kind even of, though Michael is infinitely more entertaining, much faster on the draw than I am, <laughs> and uh, uh, much wiser, and knows when to shut up. <laughs> but he 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 doesn't want to be out there. One one day, I we'll we'll get we'll get him on the show at some point. Maybe. No, I think because of you, for you, yes, I think at some point he, he will do it. I, w- I would love that. Just but to, I, I tell you, if the New York Times comes in to do a piece on trauma, he won't be part of it. Well, and uh, I, I, you know he won't. I, I, I you, know it because we've had other comparable. Uh, Media write-ups and Michael would be disappear. Oh, he went out. He's, well, I'm he's glad on, you brought up. The, I'm glad you brought up New York Times. I know they wrote a good review for your newest film, hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm. But the uh, one thing I'm combating on my show is I, I like to call it the trauma review, or where you just get the the sideways, uh, you know, backhanded compliments, and I don't appreciate that. As a fan of trauma films and of your movies, there is a way to talk about um, your films or the films in the trauma library without being like, it's a bad movie, but like, yeah, they're not right. bad movies. They're, no, they're very they're good. good films. And, and you see value in yeah, the stuff yeah, that you're putting out. <laughs> I went to Yale University. I could have been a hedge fund guy. Easy. No problem. I probably could have been governor of New York State. Easy. They're all stupid. So, but uh, but uh, because I am stupid, I went into making movies. You know, it's not I don't do it to make money. I, I do it for one reason: to make the movies, to not have to answer anybody. And uh, you know, uh, what, this is the result. Uh, I'm here in a hotel room with Zach Beans and had a few drinks, and <laughs> Zach Beans is starting to look pretty good to me. I I think as the AC to, is uh, off and my shirt is uh, slowly getting uh, removed. Well, you got, you got those eyes. Well, so you brought up you brought up Yale, and I know that's where you uh, f- you first got into movies, really, because of your college roommate. Yes, you're right, Robert Edelstein. And can you tell me about like some of the films that that uh, he was exposing himself uh, for you, <laughs> or exposing to you? I'm sorry. No, he was my roommate, so I I, I imagine. Uh, there was a fair amount of exposition in that department. <laughs> but uh, no, Robert was uh, head of the film society, and the uh, group of them were auteurs. They believed in the auteur theory of uh, movie making, that the filmmaker is the author of the movie, that the movie should reflect the brain and soul and heart of the filmmaker that, yeah. and should reflect a consistency of, of style and uh, theme, uh, themes uh, and uh, I, uh, since I was his roommate, we're in a tiny bedroom, and our feet are, my head, we were, our beds were head to toe. So um, at night, uh, inhaling his Godard uh, <laughs> smelly feet, uh, eventually I would start drifting into the 
auditorium to see the movies the film society was showing and I kept getting blown away Chaplin Keaton John Ford Howard Hawks Sam Fuller uh, I, I I never knew Charlie Chaplin was a director and a writer and a songwriter and a musician and all that and a roller skater I mean uh, I didn't even know what a director was I never I, I was never conscious of the director as as a major part of the movie until uh I uh, went to the Yale Film Society screenings. And when was it like in Yale that you decided you wanted to dabble in making movies? I know you made Rappuccini and the girl who returned right around that time. Well, my roommate, uh, uh, Robert Edelstein, head of the Film Society, he uh, directed Rappuccini and I produced it with him. Uh, and uh, he bought up Bolex, which, uh, as uh, uh, you may know, is, uh, Bolex is not a uh, social disease. It's a kind of a Swiss 60-millimeter uh, camera. It's a beautiful machine. But he had one, and uh, we uh, Rappuccini was based on Hawthorne's Rappuccini's daughter, and both Robert and I were uh, Hawthorne freaks. And um, so I tagged along and helped him produce it, and uh, we showed it at a few colleges. Basically, it's 16 millimeter. I, I had very, it was filmed in my mother's house in New York. Um, and uh, um, we had a fair amount of uh, adventures on it, but uh, it's uh, 16 millimeter, black and white, uh, on, no sync sound because yeah. Bolex won't, uh, doesn't have the uh, sync pulse. Uh, so narration and uh, sound effects and music, basically. And then Girl of Return was a bit more entertaining. Uh, well, I do. Returned, I do uh, I'm going to interrupt you real quick. Yeah. I do want to ask. Um, so there's a still of Rappuccini in your book, All I Need to Know About Filmmaking I Learned from the Toxic Avenger. Is But that's all I've ever seen of it. Is there a way to see Rappuccini, or do those elements still exist, or is that something that could get uploaded that to Troma be, now? Well, I, you know, Robert Edelstein would be the guy to add. It's his film, so... Uh. It, it, just for the the completists out there, I think it'd be well, really interesting it, to see. It, it's also important because Perry King, a, a, a fairly ser- serious uh, movie star. Oh, sorry, Perry King uh, was uh, that was his first movie. He would he he did uh, the the um, something something of Joel Delaney with the Shirley MacLaine, uh, uh, Robert Mulligan movie. Um, he uh, and he's a great guy, but anyway, he uh, he signed up to do Rappuccini, and uh, and Roger Kirby's uh, girlfriend at the time, Bep Arnsberg, played uh, the daughter, and uh, we filmed it in my mother's uh, brownstone in New York, which had a garden. Yeah. We could dress as uh, we rented a lot of plants, so it could look <laughs> like a poisonous garden, and uh, it's a girl of return is. Uh, you know, I don't want to speak for uh, uh, Rappuccini, but Girl of Return is uh, totally unwatchable. And yet we got to play it at maybe a dozen, f- 15 colleges, charge a dollar a, a ticket and uh, run for our lives. Can Do you remember what it was like seeing like Girl Who Returned in front of a crowd of people? Like the first time like any of your films showed in front of a group of people. How did that feel? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, uh, I guess the big deal, you know, I can't 
really remember. Remember, it's I graduated in 1968, and, yeah. and uh, 67, I think, is when they showed Girl Who Returned, or maybe they showed Rappuccini 67 and Girl Who Returned 68. I, it was a huge thing for me. But more important, Girl Who Returned taught me two things. One, um, once people buy tickets, no matter how bad the movie is, they uh, <laughs> won't uh, ask for the money back. And two, our we two movies were being shown that night at the same time. One was uh, um, uh, Moonrise by uh, Borzegi, I think, and the other one was, and it was just a poster. But basically, Borzegi was the big deal there. And then they had The Girl Who Returned, which featured a an attractive young uh, uh, non-male on on her back, on their back. Uh, kind of with a sweaty T-shirt yeah. and her love pillows a bit uh, <laughs> enlarged. And um, it would look sexy. It had nothing to do with sex. But it was a better poster than the one for uh, Borzegi. So we had a pretty big house. And uh, and uh, even though the movie is horrible, uh, nobody asked for uh, So uh, make a poster that's intriguing in some way. And, uh, you know... By two, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so, even if you make a movie that stinks, people uh, are <laughs> not likely to ask for their money back. Well, and then, so like right around that time, also you uh, worked in the Peace Corps in Chad. Not the Peace Corps. No, or, no, no, no I'm no. sorry. Uh, 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 nothing about me that had anything to do with peace. You're thinking of the Pizza Corps. Ooh. I was very <laughs> active in the Pizza Corps. It's uh, a no, crusty I was, joke. I was, <laughs> <laughs> very cheesy. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, no, I was more in the, uh, not the Peace Corps, I was in the uh, Violence uh, War Corps. Uh, I was a very uh, against peace. No, very bad. That's bad joke, so sorry. <laughs> I did not say that, but I'd probably be taken out of context. <laughs> Here's what Lloyd Kaufman said right after President Biden said, <laughs> Lloyd Kaufman said he, he, he wants to be in the War Corps. Uh, actually, it's kind of a clever name, War Corps. The War Corps. Yeah. Hmm. There's a tagline yeah. for another. Yeah, it was a good book. Good book. Title. Special needs, the war core. <laughs> anyway, uh, where were we? we yeah, were no, about I wanted to talk uh, about uh, your you're going serious. to Chad. Uh, yeah, Chad was a great, a great life experience. Uh, and was, and you said it was a pretty big point in your book. Anyways, you uh, shot some home video and stuff in Chad as well as not video. Our hope super sixteen millimeter. Oh, it was sixteen. Yeah. Um, do you still have any of that footage you shot in Chad? Somebody has it. That was- I, I, and, and a lot of it was used in a uh, thesis, uh, whatever you want to call it, at Yale, uh, African art, uh, uh, where I, I intercut dancing in the bush of Chad with dancing in, uh, uh, um, in those days, I think it was called black uh, nightclubs. Uh, and then intercutting uh, the, the style of the coolness, but yet the hotness of uh, both the African dance and the, you know, my, yeah. I'm thousands of miles away and the people dancing around with sticks and the uh, cool nightclub dancing. Uh, very. Uh, Do you think you could yeah. see uh, you could see the roots? Do you think Yale still has that uh, film like in their archives? I don't. I I lent. I don't know. I don't know. I honestly, I just don't. I, it's one of those things where I just, I, I always assumed I had it, and then one day I tried to find it, and, you know. Yeah. Just over the years it gets. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, you just, well, 
Suddenly you wake up one way. Where, by the way, where is that man? <laughs> and so I know, like after that, you went to uh, go work on some other films. Um, I know you worked for the Canon Group. Was this uh, before? It by was- the way, I was not in the Peace Corps. I was a, a, a what do you call it? A, a guinea pig for the Peace Corps. I was there to test the area in Chad. Uh, I also was a teacher in the Chad bureaucracy uh, in the bush. We lived without electricity or anything, uh, no phones and uh, you know nothing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but uh, there was plenty of food, so uh, people were ha- pretty healthy and uh, happy. And uh, it's a very interesting, uh, a very sophisticated culture in its way, uh, totally different from what I grew up. Uh, which was uh, I grew up on a, a uh, island of cement <laughs> called Manhattan, <laughs> where everything is uh, full of hostility and all that stuff, and and uh, where we were, it was uh, people were having a good time, and and it was complicated too. It was, yeah, it was a very, but it didn't uh, fuck up the atmosphere and uh, everybody. And now Chad, they don't have enough to eat, you know, because of. Uh, the uh, so-called, uh, what, what do you call it, gentrification? The, I don't know, whatever it is, the, yeah. the fact that the cocoa growers in the Ivory Coast have never tasted chocolate because they can't afford it. <laughs> uh, and the Rwanda tomato and, and uh, pepper growers get, uh, can't really get, they live on $2 a day because yeah. all their uh, vegetables <laughs> have to be sold to a combine to an oligopoly of white uh, uh, exporters yeah. who uh, market way up uh, to the Western world, but which is the world responsible for uh, one-third of Pakistan being un- underwater, right? They didn't do it. We did well, You've been warning us about these corporate elites doing this, going to do this to us for decades, but nobody's listening to you. Well, not just the corporate elites, the... Uh, the, the uh, bureaucratic elite, the uh, so-called elected representatives, and uh, the uh, labor elite. But you've been warning us for... My whole career. For, yeah. 50 years at least. And uh, nobody took their safe spacious so and nobody listened. No, no. Look at the Toxic Avenger Part 4, Citizen Toxic. The whole thing is... Ab- I mean, not the whole thing, but abortion is a big part of that. A movie made in... 2000, the year 2000, and, well, we, uh, right? I'm going to cut you off. We will get to Citizen Toxie. Oh, oh. But, but we're still back in uh, in the early days in the in the Manhattan. We're never going to get to Citizen Toxie. Yes, we will. Maybe we should break this up a little bit. Yeah, I'm totally down. Maybe we do uh, up to a certain point, and then we... Uh, you want to go through the 70s? Well, let's just see where we through go. Through the sexy comedies? Let's see what uh, Maggie says. Thank you. I, I want to know a little bit more about the time when you worked in Canon Films. Was that Golan and Globus at that time? No, or? no. It was pre-Golan Globus. It was the day of Dewey and Friedland. And um, uh, a nice guys. That was basically my first job. And uh, uh, I was just a you know, shit boy. Yeah. But that's where I met John G. Avelson. Lucky me. And you worked on, uh, you, was Joe before Rocky? Yes. So, uh, they, John had uh, made a movie called Guess What I Learned at School Today, which had a couple of other names. And um, Cannon distributed it. 
And John also made another movie, Sweet Dreams, and I think Cannon may also have distributed that. And and I can't. And John was working in the editing room, and uh, I was rewinding stuff, so we sort of knew each other. And then uh, they produced Joe, and yeah. John uh, took Joe, which was originally called The Gap, which is uh, which was a mediocre. Uh, uh, generation gap kind of uh, softcore, you know, sausage, yeah. uh, so nothing, you know, just another sausage. And Avelson hired uh, Norman Wexler to totally re, re, rewrite uh, the movie and uh, became Joe. And it got an Academy Award nomination. Peter Boyle's first movie, Susan Sarandon's first movie, $100,000 and a, a, a nomination for best screenplay. Made in New York, unknown director, unknown actors, never have that today, it'd be impossible today. But uh, while they were shooting Joe, uh, they needed a production assistant. And uh, so I was sent from the office where I was filing things and rewinding stuff in the editing room. I was sent to the set uh, toward the beginning of the shoot and uh, I remember the first day of, uh, of uh, when I was on, when I, the first day on the set, and I saw the, the, the uh, shot that Avelson set up th looking through a furnace uh, into the furnace, but it, I mean, it was a beautiful shot. I don't remember the exact thing, yeah. but uh, I, I, I sort of said, hey, this is better. I think I try to stay with this guy. He looks good. And, and sure enough. And then Cry Uncle after that. Which we st we still distribute, Cry Uncle. On and it's that. a really good movie. Isn't it great? It's hilarious. It's really funny. And again, another teardown by John G. Avelson. This time he hired uh, David O'Dell to take kind of an adequate, you know, money-making, uh, softcore sort of detective uh, James Bond kind of thing. And uh, Avelson hired uh, uh, Alan Garfield, uh, you know, beer belly guy and this tall, ostrich-like uh, actor from... Uh, Tom Irons, the dirtiest show in town, and uh, and they they look like Bert and Harry Peels, which were uh, uh, you know one was tall and one was short, and uh, they sold beer on uh, cartoon <laughs> cartoon beer. They were cartoon characters who sold beer, which I guess was cartoon. I don't know. At any rate, uh, very good stuff. Very, very good stuff. And so, boy, am I boring? This is no, terrible. no, this is awful. This it's is not though. Like the <laughs> the people want to know about about uh, about your history making movies. Like it's not really well documented. Like you may think it's boring, but this is important that people people know where you came from because I think you get. You, a lot of people are like, oh, it's Lloyd Kaufman. He does the boobs and the blood and the toxic Avenger. And while that may be true, you also have a proper film upbringing. And I don't think people take you... I take you seriously as a filmmaker, but when I read some of these backhanded reviews, I don't know if they understand yeah. Yeah. that you have a proper film upbringing and you know your shit. And and I wanted, I want to dispel that myth that's out there. So I really appreciate you sharing some of this stuff with me. And I was, it well, was, well, oh, thank uh, by the same token. Thank you for uh, memorializing uh, trauma and, uh, uh, keeping, uh, you know, keeping this project going. And, uh, I, my archives, Stan Lee, uh, set up my arc, uh, archives in, uh, in Oklahoma at the American heritage 
Institute where his archives are. But uh, what you're doing is really interesting because you've got generations of people, uh, some of whom are already dead, right? Somebody just died recently. Who died recently? Brick Bronski. Yeah, Brick died. And David Matty's not, who knows what's going to yeah. happen to him. I need to get him on soon. Yeah, you should. You should. He's such a great guy. But it's, was it around this time, though, with working with John G. Avelson, did he push you into making your own damn movie with Battle of Love's Return? No, I made that, uh, um, I think, before Joe. I, I remember uh, forcing John Avelson to watch the Battle of Love's Return uh, on a 16-millimeter projector in his apartment. Uh, on West 86 on West 86th Street in New York, <laughs> and he had to sit through the whole thing. We ch- had to change reels, and and his oh, wife no. <laughs> uh, Melissa, so nice, so polite, the poor guy. Well, and the, and if if you look kind of at your filmography, there's a little gap. And I know in there for directing wise, uh, you directed some adult films at that time. Nothing, I haven't done nothing adult. No, Everything I, 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 I guess some... adolescent, which <laughs> still has boners and uh, stuff like that. And, but, and, uh, but, uh, and uh, uh, full, full penetration. Very some, juvenile. Some, uh, but you did do some uh, pornographic films and I would like to talk what, to you why about Why do you that. say, what is pornographic? What, was it, so what, what do you mean pornographic? I've seen uh, The Divine Obsession. Well, that's a beautiful film. It, it, what are you talking about? Well, and, and honestly... Oh, when you say pornographic, what, that, what does I, that I mean? I think what I mean is... You mean a movie that has some uh, uh, hardcore sex. Yeah. But it's a beautiful 35-millimeter film with a score by uh, uh, somebody who went on to do good music. And my roommate at Yale wrote the uh, the, the script. And it's very... Uh, it's a film. It just happens to have... Uh, Actual some sex uh, uh, double penetration. What are you gonna <laughs> do? You know. Well, that's life. Well, and right. I've I've seen I've seen that film, and it has the trademark you filthy pig. I I had How to put dare the, you you and you are interviewing <laughs> me in the podcast. This is an outrage. I had to put the nickel uh, in the slot and. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> No, twenty five cents. And please. yeah, well, I, nickel, I had plenty of paper me. towels around, so oh, it, it was Maggie. Don't yeah. that's just, <laughs> it's very low class. Yeah, I'm sorry. But I, I, I do want to know, like, did uh, like Wes Craven and John Carpenter? They cut their teeth also making pornographic movies before they jumped into their their more, you know. A career where it's like the last house on the left or Halloween, mm-hmm. and in the same with you, there's a whole generation of filmmakers who cut their teeth making making these movies. Did you learn any lessons from making these films that you brought on to later trauma movies? Well, uh, you're talking about the movies that were directed by Lewis Sue. Yes, by Lewis well, Sue. Uh, I wrote a book, um, "Produce Your Own Damn Movie," a very good book. Uh, and in in uh, in which I interview Lewis Sue S U, and he talks a lot about how uh, because he wrote and uh, was the DP and kind of did his own lighting and and definitely did his own camera work that the uh, uh, these movies that you refer to as pornographic. I think uh, the which, I think uh, the. The studio system refers. I'm just. I'm just uh, appropriating their terms. Oh, oh. Well, that's still not very woke to appropriate anything. <laughs> uh, but at any rate, uh, uh, these are hard hitting questions. So, so at any rate, Louis Sue got his film school. It was like film school, except 
that uh, the movies uh, uh, during that period, they came out around the time of uh, Gerard Damiano with uh, Devil and Miss Jones, and uh, they, they were reviewed on, net, on uh, network television. I mean, there was a real period yeah. where, where uh, uh, porno chic, it was called. Porno chic, except didn't have the dissonance or whatever you call it. The uh, not dissonance uh, when you make the the s's. Uh, anyway, it begins with yeah. s. Uh, <laughs> sorry, s a t word. But what other kind of uh, lessons did you learn from there that you brought brought on? I know you talk about when you're shooting sex scenes um, in films now. You try to do those first. Did you have that same mantra back then? Uh, I mean, did Lewis? Or did Lewis Sue? I, I apologize. Mantra, uh, you guys look very similar. I get very emotional whenever you talk about Lewis Sue. Uh, what did I learn? I learned. Well, I went to an all boys uh, high school, and then Yale was all boys. So, I, uh, you know, I got to learn a lot <laughs> about sex. Let me tell you. So I, I, I never, I couldn't fathom s- stuff that we filmed. It wasn't in my. W- was no, even though I went to Africa, you know. I don't recall anything like what's in the uh, those movies. I and I I have it from a good source that elements of those films or the negatives still exist. Is there any way that those are going to get some sort of uh, proper like Blu-ray release? I know Vinegar Syndrome uh, does does put out those type of films and they restore the negatives. Oh. And I think for myself personally and the collector, it's really interesting to see. Um, like you or John Carpenter or Wes Craven's work in that field mm. um, just as a whole body of work to see where you came from or where Louis Sue came from. I'm sorry. Uh, a whole naked body of work. I mean, <laughs> you just want to see some naked people. No, I just, you know, you are such a pervert. That's, I that's know. so sneaky of you to even, you know, to try to get me to fall for that one. <laughs> no way, buddy. This is just that this is part of film history. It, yeah. No, it is a part yeah. of Oh, yeah. You just want to, yeah. <laughs> You're thinking of, I've been married too, buddy. I know. <laughs> you got to take worship, it where you can. Worship the bishop. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I do, th- do want to say, though, I do think the interest is out there, uh, you know, to see see these films. And I, I would like to see them. You get I restored. Would too, yeah, but I, uh, uh, I don't have control. Gotcha. There are other individuals involved. Like okay. Three to one. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, if if talking trauma counts, then you got a point oh two five. Uh, you can add to that one. <laughs> no, these, no, oh 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 two five. No, I'm afraid. Uh, this is going to be like forgotten silver. People are going to have to hunt through the jungle. And did you see? Well, you know, Forgotten Silver, no? Well, we talked. We talked about it. I think we did once. Once before. It's uh, Kevin. What's his? You know, uh, no, uh, Peter Jackson's documentary, a fake yes. documentary. Yeah. It's wonderful about <laughs> sort of a Cecil B. DeMille negative that's buried deep somewhere in the jungle, and they, <laughs> it's the uh, it's all that's left of this. Yeah, that's right. Peter produced that one. Yeah, no, that's 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 an, it, it, or that's interesting that you would compare the two on there because it's like it is still, as he's alluding to, it is part of film history because I think it's helpful for young filmmakers to also realize, well, hey, 
you know, we all start from someplace. And then it kind of helps dispel the myth of just like, well, I got high, offered a Hollywood gig right away. You know, like it's like everybody cuts their teeth on yeah. on strange bedfellows once or twice in their career before they go to the thing they're meant to do. That's almost a line from uh, The Tempest. <laughs> uh, hashtag Shakespeare shitstorm too. No joke. Well, and, and one thing I do want to say about those films is they definitely carry your signature sense of humor in there, which you've later brought over to the sexy comedies like Squeeze Play, um, Stuck on You, Waitress, and the first turn on. I do want to talk about those uh, sexy comedies. What um, what made you want to go in the comedy route instead of like doing like a drama film? Or could you ever picture yourself making a full-on drama? No. <laughs> never. <laughs> never. I mean, I, I would love to get a script that is uh, you know, really great that is serious. That'd be wonderful, but uh, I've not. I certainly can't create one. And yeah. I've always loved uh, comedy. And luckily, Michael Hers uh, seems to be okay with it. And uh, I don't like the idea of losing money on every movie, but uh, we do enjoy the films we end up with. I I do like. You can see some of your influences uh, quite a bit in the sexy comedies, and it may be one of my favorite uh, eras in your career. Like you see, like the Keystone Cops or like the Marx Brothers and Chaplin elements. Can you talk a little bit more about just some of the the comedy inspirations you pulled while making those films? Well, certainly Keaton in uh, Toxic Avenger Part Two. Uh, he's got these. Uh, uh, Total Keaton, totally Keaton. Yeah. It's too, it's random too. Why? Uh, supposedly because she's blind, but that's absurd. But I did it because of the Keaton uh, film that had things hanging from the, you know, a little bit Rube Goldbergish. Yeah. But uh, basically Keaton, and there was another Keaton one where a, a taxi uh, try wants to commit suicide. And he walks into a tunnel. <laughs> yes. Uh, and uh, that's right away from Keaton. And there's the two motorcycles. Yeah, that, that. yeah, yeah. And Keaton's it was uh, bicycles. Well, and I, I, I rewatched Waitress again not too long ago. And uh, that movie reminded me a lot of uh, hashtag Shakespeare shitstorm. Just the pandemonium of the, of the crowd behind the actors. Mm. Like there's constant constant action in every frame of those movies can you talk about like in waitress um how it was directing that many people on screen at the same because everybody has something uh just unique and silly they're doing and that's a theme that kind of goes across your whole uh like body of work well that's interesting no it's a good good question but i uh, very much love the slapstick stuff uh and the idea that we have the action going on in the foreground between the two, and then in the background, people are strangling each other, and and uh, you know, people, all sorts of goofy stuff, uh, elephants yeah. going past. <laughs> <laughs> I just find that amusing. So uh, I spent a lot of time on this shtick, as they call it. Uh, and uh, stuck on you was heavily inspired by Tom Lehrer and uh, and uh, and um, yeah, crap. Uh, and, uh, Stan Freeberg? Yes, Stan. Oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, microphone. Stan Freeberg. And uh, and if you haven't uh, li if you haven't heard their songs, Stan Freeberg made a 
uh, it did a record called Stand Freeberg, F-R-E-E-B-E-R-G, Discovers America, wonderful. And, and uh, Tom Lehrer, also uh, satirical songs and, and a wonderful wordplay, uh, uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, so uh, check out Tom Lehrer, and, uh, and I think we're going to use his hunting song. Oh, uh, Tom Lehrer's hunting song in uh, uh, Curse of the Weird Deer, uh, directed that, by Ben Johnson. That I saw the trailer, or you know, some teasers that they've done for that in stills, and I love the hunting song. The well, we, <laughs> we should have got our permit. <laughs> that's good for you. I, that's way before your time. Man. I I grew up listening to like the Doctor Demento show and reading Mad Magazine. Yeah, and I'm a huge Mad Magazine nerd, and I know that uh, you're a New York staple, uh, and so was Mad Magazine, you know, back before they moved to L.A. and got bought by the comic book conglomerates. But can you talk about, I know you've met some of the people at Mad Magazine, and can you talk just in your life, what are some of your favorite stuff from, from that Mad Magazine? Well, I have not really met too many people from Mad. I I. My favorite was Don. Uh, anyway, he was he was always my favorite, and my father, uh, my brother, uh, we all loved his uh, character. Don Martin. Yes, that's it, Don Martin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, we all loved Don Martin, and uh, I finally, years later, well after he had split Mad, I I got introduced to him at, uh, and I was like a, a you know a little fanboy. Uh, and he was like, and I was like, it's such an honor. And he was like, but he moved along, you know. Like, well, he would have to. He always had the crazy sound effects behind all this. Yeah, that's true. You're right. <laughs> His characters. Um, and I know, like, you had uh, copies of Mad Magazine as, like, kind of sight gags in, like, The Toxic Avenger 2 yeah. and, other, and other movies. But how did it feel? Uh, when thank you when Mad Magazine did a parody of the Toxic Avenger, uh, the the uh, uh, the Trump Toxic yeah, the, uh, Pretender or something, yeah, yeah, that was pretty amazing. Uh, uh, you know, after thirty four years, uh, Toxic becomes part of the lexicon. I mean, comparing him to Trump, yeah, <laughs> or Trump to him is uh, because, uh, hey, I'll take it. It was great. This is nicely done. And kind of in that comic book vein, you were, you were also really good friends with Stan Lee. I searched out Stan Lee whilst I was at Yale toward the end of the road. And um, because I had discovered the comic books, uh, next door were a big pile of them, next door to my Yale yeah. room. So I saw these beautiful uh, comic books with clever... Uh, uh, where the the uh, the the pencil guy or the web ink ink uh, inker or, I'd never heard of these terms. Yeah. But they had funny uh, alliteration uh, names, you know. Uh, uh, I I can't remember, but at any rate, Steve Ditko, you know. Yeah. Swinging Steve Ditko, or <laughs> you know that kind of. Uh, plus the, uh, the the art was so beautiful, so I searched out Stan and. Uh, and uh, you know, tried to get a job, and uh, we kind of stayed in touch. And he's in a, b a bunch of our movies. And yeah. Hashtag Shakespeare Shitstone is uh, dedicated to Stanley, along with uh, John G. Avelson 
and my uh, stepmother, Sigrund. And I know you guys wrote, wrote a film together, um, at least one. I don't know if you've wrote more than one. It never got produced. Can you talk about that a little bit? Um, well, we didn't Is, really. Well, it was we like a screenplay, but it was like Night of the uh, Witch, right? Yeah, but it, nothing ever happened. But I, I still think that's uh, interesting to think about that you and Stan Lee wrote something together. Well, we and didn't then, really write it together. It was just, uh, I just had to. Did write. he like pitch you an idea? or It was kind of an idea, but it was we had already talked about it, and he didn't really have much to do with it, to be honest. But it, it's, I tried to, I tried to uh, get him involved, but uh, I never could really. It was, uh, and at the end, uh, it was made very clear to me that uh, they didn't want anything to do with it. Not Stan, but the uh, partner. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, I just think it's it's kind of fun that you had, you know, that friendship with Stan and later down the road. With yeah, James well, he was a big fan. He was a great fan. He just thought his thing was, and obviously, Toxie is heavily influenced by Spider Man and <clears throat> the, the whole trauma universe is, is Stan Lee and uh, Marvel. And I kind of moving on a little bit from that, but on the superhero vein um, into the Toxic Avenger a bit. Um, I don't know too much else to say about Toxie that hasn't been really been said before. But I do want to know um, with all of your films, not just the Toxic Avenger, you tackle major themes that are going on in the world. And that's definitely a conscious choice uh, when you could make a movie that has nothing to say. Um why why has that always been kind of important in your work? Well, just my education, and uh, I had a left-wing grandmother who was full of piss. <laughs> and uh, I mean, literally, when if she said the word Nixon or somebody said the word Nixon, she would literally spit on the ground. Didn't matter where we were. It could be on a, you know, a heirloom rug. She'd... <laughs> And uh, she read I.F. Stone Weekly and introduced me to a lot of uh, interesting thoughts and themes. And and um, uh, somehow I got the feeling that I should, uh, uh, may, if, if I'm going to be an artist, be sort of a, a socialist artist, kind of. But I mean, I'm not socialist, really. I'm just, I just want to show the truth. The truth, 24 times a second. <laughs> and thanks to Zach Beans and Richard Taylor, <laughs> I was enabled to do that once again on Poultry Geist, Night of the Chicken. Well, Day. it's definitely something that brought me to your, your art because I've seen hundreds of horror movies, but none of them has stuck with me because in Toxic Avenger, Class of Newcomb High, you're talking about you know the the problems with pollution and radiation are you talking about the the issues of you know corporate greed you know trampling you know just the small guy out there and that's something i've always appreciated about your films one of uh, i guess a, a couple films toxic avenger 2 and 3 is about a lot of you know the corporate greed going on but i know that was first one single film um can you talk about what Toxic Avenger 2 and 3 looked like before it was cut into two movies? Uh, I, I just remember it was sort of Heaven's Gate kind of thing where it was like eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> it 
and suddenly, and the other thing is that uh, the uh, video we were required to deliver uh, uh, movies to, uh, because the video boom was going on. Yeah. So um, while we were shooting, it looked like we could have an actual ending for part two and then uh, have two movies because I had already shot the two movies, basically. So uh, we uh, we uh, shot a, a kind of a fake end, uh, not a fake ending, but a pseudo ending for part two. I, when I talked to Rick Collins, he said that he directed that shot of him and uh, him and Lisa Gay walking down the road like hitchhiking, and he he was telling me how he uh, how he uh, snuck that into the dailies, and you're like, who shot this? Oh, <laughs> I'm sure that was his idea. It's very cute. Lisa Gay too, wonderful people. Uh, he both he uh, he's still in some of our movies. He's in Rick is in uh, Return to Newcomb High and Return to Return to Newcomb and, High. And Lisa Gay's in Hashtag Shakespeare Shit yeah, Story. It, yeah. It's fun seeing her as Professor Holt yes. pop up again. <laughs> and and my daughter was Professor Holt Junior. In uh, with the same hair. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> some humanoid meltdown. Uh, class, class of Newcomb High too. High part two. <laughs> uh, which uh, daughter was that? Was that uh, uh, Lily Hayes? Awesome. <laughs> um, the story, the story-wise of part two and three, when it, when it was one movie, is was it pretty similar story structure to how it is now, or did you guys completely rearrange in the edit to make it two movies? I I, I don't. I'm trying to remember who was the editor. Can't. Who was the editor? I don't remember. I'm sure we were rearranging stuff. Must have been. I know for uh, uh, Citizen Toxie. I think for most of our movies, we shoot material well after principal photography, and uh, very often on the roof of the Troma Building in uh, Hell's Kitchen or in Long Island City, and you know little cutaways that we yeah. need or something to make the scene comprehensible, uh, uh, little things like that. <laughs> There's a lot of that going on when I'm making a movie. <laughs> I I stumbled across on Facebook one of the effects artists. I The name's slipping me right now, but he... Uh, posted a picture of like a like a burnt like little baby that he's like we blew this up in toxic avenger part two and i don't remember that in the movie so obviously it got cut but do you remember anything about like a baby getting blown up in toxic avenger like two or three well no uh, um my daughter charlotte in three i think it is Got blown up into a tree. Into the tree. Yeah, she was also she was. But she uh, was okay. Like yeah, Toxie pulls her out of the tree. She had on uh, sunglasses like uh, Sarah with a little cane, I think, yeah. or something. Which and, that's and, the only uh, baby I remember. Yeah, in the films. I think that's what they must be refer- referring to. But yeah, it was just bizarre because he had like a, a prop of like a burnt. Oh, baby. a burnt. I don't remember that. I, I honestly, maybe it didn't look real enough, or maybe it looked too real. <laughs> yeah no i was just curious about that i was <laughs> like that because i mean obviously you know she survived she's farting all over uh yeah, sarah yeah <laughs> yeah I, the, I don't know <laughs> you know times have changed you know maybe uh we thought it was too much but i don't think so i i, I just have no recollection i usually remember stuff like that one, one thing that is kind of 
you know, sadly, like present in your entire uh, body of work is is your struggle against uh, free speech um, with the MPAA. Um, and then like even brought when you were brought on the Morton Downey Jr. show or even the present day with cancel culture. And I know you tackle cancel culture and hashtag Shakespeare shitstorm, but can you talk about how it's been different, you know, fighting like the MPA as opposed to like, you know, people on Twitter or just different talk shows trying to shut down what you have to say? Well, my grandmother had uh, a big uh, framed political cartoon of, of uh, Senator McCarthy ripping up the Bill of Rights, uh, you know, kind of political style cartoon. Yeah. But it was a big, big framed picture. And uh, uh, same thing, blacklist, uh, then the MPAA, uh, a double standard where it's okay for Bruce Willis to have blood all over the place, but not okay for Troma's War, which is a goofy, cartoony movie that came out after Bruce Willis's serious violent uh, uh, death wish. Uh, no, not death wish. Die uh, Hard. Die Hard, sorry, Die Hard. Uh, uh, you know, just it's autocratic. It's uh, disgusting. And, and then it just keeps going. And now you have the uh, people who are judging what is uh, woke and what isn't, and uh, the gatekeepers at the, uh, at the various uh, uh, giant media company have put everything through a strainer and, oh, gosh. Do you yeah. find it harder now to get your message out than than back in like the seventies or eighties, or was it um, harder back then? Well, I think now we have free speech as long as we don't say anything. Back then, we could sort of say anything. We at least we didn't get. I don't remember. I mean, we were economically blacklisted. Yeah. There's always a blacklist. They always figure out something, 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 something. Uh, luckily, I've been born white, so I have at least that. Go, I think I'm. Well, well, you're as you said in uh, in uh, <laughs> yeah, hashtag Shakespeare's his storm. It's like, do you consider Jewish white sometimes? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, but I mean, imagine how difficult it's been, uh, and imagine if you're not uh, white. What the, it's, it's, uh, you know, you, you can't imagine. Yeah. Anyway, enough of that. But uh, you had you asked that question. Just kind of how it how you've noticed like you know just either like the big elites uh, keeping you quiet as opposed to cancel culture today. Just how it's different, or, or if it's the same same beast but just a different face. I think it's just a different group of people who want to tell us how to run our lives and uh, and have a and are perfectly happy with the. Uh, double, um, um, what do you call it? Double value, where yeah, you know, you're okay. You can do that, but you can't. You know, right? I mean, it's uh, it's not not healthy. I, in talking about all this, um, it, I brought up um, talk shows. I know you were on the Morton Downey Jr. show, and there was a big controversy. I saw the clip where you and Michael Hers are getting. Um, accosted. No, no, that's not Michael Hers. That was Are, not Michael Hers. Michael Hers would, by that time, Michael Hers. He was out of it? He refused to go on anything. No, definitely not. That but, was my assistant, okay. Arthur. His name was Arthur. And uh, we were trying to, we were hoping to have a, uh, 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 his mother could see him on TV. You know, it was, an, it was yeah. a, a WOR, a universal owned television station. 
And, uh, and it was my wife's first night out after giving birth. So we thought, oh, this will be fun. Uh, you know, they sent a car for us, and oh, we're in a limousine, look at us. And then uh, you tell the rest of it. <laughs> well, and it, they uh, they show a clip uh, from Troma's War, and it seemed like everybody was excited to see you guys. And then until they showed the the clip, and then uh, Morton Downey Jr. got the crowd whipped up into a frenzy, where it you know almost looked like that Geraldo clip where they're throwing the chairs on the stage and they're trying to attack you guys. Um, tell me more more about just that whole experience. Like, Well, that was a setup. That was uh, pre-planned, uh, except we didn't know about it. It was kind of like candy camera or, or pranks, uh, you know, where they prank. It was like a big prank. Gotcha. And we were in the green room, and we did hear the audience screaming and yelling. And and uh, my guess is that, that uh, Downey and the gang uh, whipped him up. And uh, because the way they choreographed it, it was clearly fixed. And uh, I was always wondering because you saw people who looked like trauma fans in the crowd with like Toxic Avenger shirts or whatever. Yeah, at the beginning they were they loved trauma, but they were told uh, uh, to I think, thank you, thank you so much. Um, I just was given a huge bowl of caviar it's incredible nothing it's vegan, nothing but the best vegan caviar so no salmon word and this i mean i gotta salmon, squeeze those turnips really hard yeah that's right exactly <laughs> but uh nothing Ouch. but the best <laughs> uh anyway uh, i don't know what are we talking about uh, morton downey jr yeah uh, anyway it was a setup so they got their cheap laugh except that i they thought that uh, he, he 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 suddenly he does a thing with a thumbs up. Should we keep him? Uh, uh, oh, yeah, he showed a little bit of Choma's War, raw footage, and they picked a, a, a piece of film that had absolutely nothing, had a little bit of blood. But other than that, nothing. Yeah. It was like a nothing uh, five-second clip. And then Downey says, shall we keep them or shall we get rid of them? And we're sitting on the stage with the audience down below us and my wife in the middle of the audience just having given birth. And, uh, and uh, both uh, Arthur and I uh, <laughs> looked at each other and uh, we, uh, Downey puts his, uh, uh, he's telling the audience with his thumb down, what, you know, <laughs> what to answer. And they all say, yeah, get rid of him, get rid of him. And it was a Halloween thing. That's how they got me to go on. They said it was going to be a trauma Halloween oh, party. They said it was going to be a party, a trauma Halloween party. And uh, the studio where they filmed in was in New Jersey, and that's uh, where Tromaville, New Jersey, comes from. So, so uh, they got us out there and, uh, under false pretenses. But uh, uh, then uh, my assistant and I, uh, unexpectedly to the uh, TV people, we refused to move because the people had... Uh, they had masks on and fake guns and, uh, you know, fake weapons and penises on their noses. And it was, uh, uh, you know, and my wife's in the middle of it. <laughs> and Arthur and I didn't want to go down the stage. And to get out, you had to walk through this audience. So we uh, finally they called in security and uh, beat us up a little bit. And my shoulder got separated and my watch flew off and... and uh, that that's one of those it's not fun that's one of those tales that's uh in like kind of the tromaville like like urban legends like like bigger than true another one that that i've always been curious about and there's always just been murmurs in the background is is that it 
from your books and even just some just like sly you know off the cuff comments on different interviews that there's bad blood between you and like the filmmakers of street trash well i you know i i don't swear to this but i've been told and i thought so that (laughs) whilst i was being dragged out kicking and screaming and that uh Arthur was being dragged out and screening. Uh, some guy connected with Street Crash, not uh, not uh, the professor who who uh, owns it, but um, uh, I, I can't remember. But he went up to the podium. Uh, I'm not like them. I'm not like them. I'm a real, you know, New Jersey person or something. Yeah. Like it was something like that, but I don't recall. Maybe it's on the video. But it, it, I believe it, and I may be wrong, but I believe it was somebody from Street Trash. Yeah, it's it's just always I been think out. I wrote something in the book. Yeah, but but you've only like kind of alluded to it, and I yeah, and I it's just always been like kind of you know the trauma fanboy. Like I I hear Lloyd hates the filmmakers of Street <laughs> Trash, and like nobody well, no, no nobody really knows the story there, no. and it's so every like I've asked around, it's like what do you want to know from from Lloyd like that you have never heard and uh, more than one person is like I want to know if he actually hates the filmmakers of Street Trash or hates the movie mm. or if there was like bad blood that happened there no no not at all just that, that whoever that guy was and he may not have even had anything to do with uh, that movie that rhymes with Retrash yes <laughs> uh, but uh, the producer who owns the movie he, he, I've taught his class uh, he's a good guy and by the way Justin Martell and, and I imagine other Troma alums are producing the remake of uh, yeah. Street Trash with a really good director. I think they're shooting that as we're speaking. Are they in already? pre-production they're of it? They're already shooting. They're, they're in pre-production wow. of it. Uh, the Fried Berry director is uh, is doing the Street Trash remake. So He's great. He's very good, right? Yeah. No, it, it, it's just... You know, one of those full circle trauma things like, oh, that's interesting to know, yeah. like there was some something there like and uh, just always curious Isn't about it, that. Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. And another thing I was always curious about. So the, there the, were the Kruger uh, uh, grocery stores. Very good grocery store. Yeah. Great director. Great grocery stores. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes it pops up in your dreams. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, another thing I always kind of wondered about, um, you know, just kind of jumping around a little bit more like, so after Kabuki man, uh, there was a gap in between, um, Kabuki man and Tromeo and Juliet. And that's kind of around the time trauma team video started. And there's not a lot of just information out there on like what you and Michael were like why you chose to set up your own distribution label like Troma Team Video because before you'd go through like, you know, media or Warner Brothers or other companies like that to put the movies out. Mm. Sorry, I just had to wet my whistle, as we say. The the altitude here in Colorado. Yeah, it's that's all dried right. out. That's it. Yep, yep, yep. I'll never forget Jeffrey Lyons, one of our great critics, uh, curated the... Uh, Film festival in uh, uh, oh crap Breckenridge Film Festival and and Jeffrey had Pat and I Pat and me come out and he showed some trauma movies and it was great but oh my god I didn't realize that uh, 
Uh, you get drunk out here. And, you oh, got to take Jesus it easy. Christ. <laughs> oh, I, I'll never forget that, uh, that hangover. Uh, yeah, you're right. That's why I guess I'm, uh, I'm a little bit... Uh, a, little, a little parched. Parched, yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, hit the whistle. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but it, but anyways, yeah. Back to um, nature. What, yeah, what were like? What made you guys want to start the Troma Team Video label as opposed to finding other distributors? Or was that more of a necessity thing to keep the I doors think, open? I think the we were getting big advances, but then uh, the uh, majors started to rise uh, with Blockbuster and. And they started to to push out the mom and pop stores, uh, which then uh, pushed out a lot of uh, Vestron and Media Home Entertainment, who were the big uh, distributors for the independents, but uh, couldn't compete with the uh, you know James Bond or whatever was coming out through yeah. the majors. And and then Blockbuster put out the business. They uh, basically put the little guys and gals and. It put them out of yeah. business, you know. One of the things I always liked in the Troma Team videos was like the Tromaville cafes or the wraparounds, which um, I I liked the movies uh, that you guys were doing. But one of the things that kept me coming back for more was seeing you and Kabuki Man talking about a film or Michael Hers and you talking about something or even just a skit with uh, the stars of the next movie and like it made everybody feel like they were part of the trauma team and part oh. of the trauma project. Like we're getting this sneak peek and you guys are doing little sketches for us. Can you talk about filming like Tromaville cafe or some of those wraparounds? Well, I, uh, <laughs> it's been a while, Yeah, but I think we've always felt that we, we must uh, bring our fans into the, into the family that uh, without our fans, we're nothing. And even when there was only 35 millimeter, we, we sent the stars of Squeeze Play down to Norfolk, Virginia. That was the American premiere. It was a, a, a one weekend. And, but we sent them down there and put them in uh, Motel 6s or whatever. Uh, probably lots of people in a room. Well, no, I think they had their own rooms. At any rate, uh, it was unusual for Norfolk to have the, uh, <laughs> uh, new, you know, the, and it did great. And uh, it, it was a huge hit. It was a sneak preview. But then uh, AMC uh, had uh, wanted to play it everywhere, uh, that one uh, sneak preview. That's awesome. And then... But you, the idea was to be interactive with our fans, and we really have done that from the very beginning, uh, really. No matter what the medium was, it was really thanks to our fans that would... Well, you. you yeah. You, for sure. I mean, we, I've, I've even had the, the opportunity to be in some of those DVD intros that, you know, really helped me uh, discover, you know, just more trauma movies are just even attached to it. Even if I like the special features you guys are doing more than the film, or it, it just helped me learn a little more. Uh, but I, I want to know though, can you, do you have any stories of filming like Tromaville cafe or any of with like the early Tromets? Cause it has such a, such a, you know, a nineties feel and look it, which is obviously when it was made, but it, the, the humor in it is, is something special that you don't really see too much else in trauma movies or other other medium. 
Well, uh, when I honestly, it's all a blur. When was Tromaville Cafe? That was probably around like the mid '90s, like right around a little bit after the inception of uh, Troma Team Video. Jeez. Uh, well, I, my hunch is that uh, if it was really funny, that uh, James Gunn had something to do with it. Because I think it was uh, a, a, some of those were a little bit before his time. Oh, before James Gunn. Now let's, let's think. Because Gabe Friedman, uh, well, James Gunn, Gabe Friedman, uh, responsible for great stuff. Uh, funny, you know, funny short yeah. stuff. I wonder who Tom Little Cafe. I, I just can't remember. I don't know. Yeah, no, no worries. Yeah. It's it's just one of those things that I've I'm I've glad always you enjoyed it. That's great. They're they're just so funny, and you know, seeing like Debbie Rashawn like like interact with like kabuki man and and just you know action come news reporter and seeing you know everybody like just being so giddy and excited to talk about like screenplay is it's just it it was just one of the things that that made trauma stand out to a impressionable Mm -hmm. uh high school zach bynes (laughs) well it's really great to hear let me tell you did uh, with all of the movies was there any um like movie posters that you liked that like stuck out you're like this is like one of the coolest movie posters we have mm, good question i did love the scream play that since you mentioned screenplay i love that film it's so good uh, yeah it's amazing yet uh, we couldn't give it away it was in black and white you know and you and that when it came out it was not we had 35 millimeter prints I, Nobody, uh, I did an episode on that one. Now I think screenplay would be great, but the idiots don't want to... Well, maybe it is on... I don't know what's going on with our streaming, but I It think, is on Troma now. Well, I meant not those idiots. I meant the ones on Amazon <laughs> and... and uh, no, they are not. The people running Troma now are doing a great job. And thank you very much. Uh, uh, no question about it. No, the... Um, um, other things... Oh, uh, just like Paramount or, you know, the big... Yeah, a screenplay may well be on some of those, but when it came out, nobody would touch black and white. Nothing, and it's nothing. That movie is so cool because it's amazing. It's, it's like a a weird weird noir, like the Cabinet of Doctor Calgary. If it was a noir movie, it's so cool, and and it just like the story of making a movie. It's well, and George Cooker. Yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so it's a historic, and and uh, Rufus Sater. Uh, Seder like the Passover uh, meal. He, uh, the, yeah, yeah, Seder. What do you think of that? At any rate, uh, yeah, you, you you cannot have Rufus and milk in the same room. Very important. At <laughs> uh, any rate, he, uh, bec- he has become a very important uh, mosaic artist. And uh, a number of airports have his art uh, in the, in the uh, floors and on the walls and the mosaic. Uh, so he's, he's a good spirit. So. It's I haven't seen him for a number of years, but it was very good spirit. I I would love for him to make another movie, but I, his his artwork is crazy. Yes. And, he, and he's invented mediums, which is that's just mind boggling that you could still be inventing forms of art, and he's doing it. So he, yeah, well, also his movie, he did all the this this is before CGI and all that, and he did uh, Rufus Sater did all the. If I remember correctly, did all the opticals? It's uh, yeah. There's crazy opticals and rear projection, and it's yeah. it's one of the more FX heavy trauma movies that's out there. And and because it's black and white, I don't know if people have given it 
The no, that was the curse. It, unfortunately, in its day, the black and white just wasn't nobody. And there was we did uh, we did the VHS, but it didn't work. And the, I like the tagline: the special decolorized version. Yes, <laughs> we tried everything. But can and you? It's t- a beautiful movie, it, it, and it's really funny. Yeah, yeah. Can you talk more about some of the movie posters though that that were like your favorites that came through? I know, like, like Trisha Zemek did a lot of like just beautiful artwork, but like, like if you had to pick a few of your favorite posters, not movies, but just posters that that uh, have been on your stuff. Well, uh, in the in the fullness of time, certainly the iconic uh, Toxic Avenger uh, cartoony poster by Sid Blaze. Uh, it's wonderful, simple, and uh, but at the time when he made it, uh, in fact, bef- even before he made it, we had another poster uh, where you don't see Toxie's face, which is great. I love that one too. But is that uh, the one where like kind of the sun is behind. That's his right. Head? Yeah, he's uh, Toxie's silhouetted, and uh, it's got a great style to it. But the the uh, didn't you know we were hoping that. People would want to know what does he look like, Toxie, the mystic. But uh, you know, we since we yeah. don't advertise, no, we, <laughs> it was it was better to show Toxie's face. And Sid Blaze did this wonderful, uh, very, very uh, penetrating uh, image that is uh, with the mop, and uh, and uh, you, it, it's iconic now. So, uh, it, it's such like when you see somebody with a mop, like it's right away it's so iconic like i think a toxie but that could just be me but no you're right it's, it's right it's like it's kind a, of built into the american dna at this point like it's that weird, imagery isn't it yeah yeah the phrase you mop has become very popular uh, 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 president bush just uh, i mean president biden just uh, said that to uh I mean, he's a big trauma fan from what i understand yes he is he likes rabid grannies uh, very much. i i seem to yeah. seem to remember that beware children at play he would uh show to his sons before bedtime <laughs> that's right yes exactly <laughs> oh, was it uh, uh, uh well <laughs> gringo uh Oh, uh, uh, story of a junkie. Yeah, I think he, uh, he and Hunter used to watch that. Father. <laughs> they used to bond together, father and son. They would watch it in the Chelsea story, Hotel together. Story. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Uh, could well be. So, you've been, you've been, you know, you have tons of fans and stuff around the world. And one of the things about trauma fans that I've seen, there's some really rabid ones that, that have tattoos of the Toxic Avenger. Are you? Do you remember the first time you saw a trauma tattoo, and what what did that feel like? Like that's got to be weird, I, right? I don't remember, but I can tell you that I probably had to change my underwear. Let's put it that way, because that's a big deal that somebody would. It's it's probably a, a lot more common to see trauma and toxic tattoos now, but but I can only imagine like the first yeah, view oh, that you saw. Yeah, blew my mind. You said it. And then uh, occasionally there's my face on people's uh, inner thighs, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think about that. Your, like your face was on bed, uh, uh, some inner thighs before. Yes, but, exactly. Uh, not always tattooed. <laughs> oh, well, that's... Uh, uh, that's another podcast. <laughs> that's uh, my university days. <laughs> my salad years. <laughs> the, the, the salad tossing <laughs> The days. tossing salad years. <laughs> well, and... What one thing I I I like in your career is that there's definite 
um, like here is this era, the sexy comedy era, or or as people refer to, you know, like the Toxic Avenger through Kabuki Man, like the golden era, and then like the new the new era where it starts with Tromeo and Poultry Geist. Uh, was there a conscious effort to kind of go more shocking from like Kabuki Man, which is a pretty friendly, like more a more friendly movie than uh, Tromeo, and they they kind of become you know more offensive as they go on uh, to some viewers. Was that a conscious effort, or is that just kind of the evolution that was natural? Good thing you tacked on the, to some viewers. I don't think they're <laughs> offensive. Like I I show I show. I was waiting for that. Believe you me. I because I show the I show the movies was, to friends yeah and it's you know it's this is this is what it is it's a work of art but they're like oh my good you know the pearl well, clutching yeah, you have to tell a lot of people you know they don't get it what are you gonna do and we officially first met on Poultry Geist yes we did and so my my first you know my first few weeks there I was scrubbing the McDonald's just keeping it clean and uh. I remember one day you came to the church before I met you and I did not have a job that I was working on. They're like, do you want to meet Lloyd? I was like, I don't want Lloyd to see me not working like the first time. Like Mr. Kaufman, I really like the toxic Avenger. Thank you for letting me work on your film. So the first time I met you was inside of the chicken bunker and you came up to me and you were like, you went to Columbine, right? And, and we just kind of hit it off. Right off the bat, where you and Gabe, I couldn't possibly have said that. No, no, I don't think taste. so. But, that was uh, Gabe Friedman. He said that. He but said that. you, you uh, trusted uh, me and that Richard. That was Richard Taylor. He said that. Yeah, it must have been my yeah, I, the fog of time. Exactly, it, it clouds things. I was over. Uh, getting you to the prayer meetings. <laughs> we had seven a.m. prayer meetings. Don't you remember? And you, you and Richard, I tried to get you to come. It you was were, six a.m. rap, seven a.m. Yeah, prayer you, meetings, you, and. You uh, <laughs> couldn't get you to do it anyway go on but you but just from that that brief interaction and you remembered the like me and richard made a short film for the toxic avenger 21st anniversary dvd and you and gabe remembered that and you trusted us with doing the blood on that film which little did we know when we were like of course we'll make the blood for this movie <laughs> that that was gonna be a whole nother 20 hours a day of <laughs> mixing various types of blood too because it's you can't just go with the uh the the uh, hair uh, 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 the uh, uh, sugar uh, yeah you can't always do corn it, syrup. Sometimes it, it, it's it clogs up the uh, the uh, Surgical tubing. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, not that so much, but the tubing it really clogs up. And, and uh, no, you're right, the fire extinguishers. Yeah, otherwise, that's why it looks like water when it comes out. Yeah, uh, but like you had us all. I'll learn on set. Richard calls himself the R2-D2 of Tromaville because he was stuck inside that meat grinder. Oh, <laughs> like, that's right. Like yeah. spinning that around and spraying blood out. Um, yeah, that meat grinder was quite a, a feat. I mean, poultry guys, is, uh, for the money, it was, uh, again, under half a million bucks. That's a uh, with the 300 chicken Indian zombies uh, uh, in the middle of the night and, and uh, singing and dancing and uh, uh, the whole thing. We had a... We lived in a church, which was where we in shot the, the sex scene. Yeah. Uh, so we, that was we, funny. We were allowed to shoot sex scenes inside of the church. That was okay. Yeah. But also, well, you had a lot of sex scenes inside that church. For this, a lot the, of hookups in there. The, oh. the stink inside of that church was very, it, it was the natural pheromones <laughs> permeating through everything. <laughs> uh, mixed with a uh, 
delightful, uh, politically correct uh, sauce of swamp ass uh, <laughs> yes. to make a perfect burrito. The aroma neutroma, <laughs> exactly, is, uh, yes. as it's uh, been called. But I, I've but talked- it was ironic because okay, oop, keep going. Oh, no, you, no. you were saying we can the hamburger uh, McDonald's place. Would yeah, the not McDonald's permit, they wouldn't let us shoot. Sex no nudity, scenes. no nudity there. That was not okay at the most robbed McDonald's in America. Yeah, yeah. how weird is that? And it was abandoned, you know. It was a, it was we, we had all uh, the people coming up either looking for jobs or yeah, drugs. Yeah, shooting at us. That was horrifying. Shooting at us. <laughs> and then uh, the uh, church is where we replicated part of the the American chicken bunker, and that's where the sex was. Well, I think that's funny, too. Beautiful sex. We, oh, um, was that beautiful? We went out. One of the imagine. few. It was glorious. It was everybody close set with about two hundred people on the set watching. <laughs> I I that was, was a close. Set. I was not in, <laughs> invited on that close set. Those were that that was the only I, days I was not not on there. But I will say my my sleeping bag was underneath uh, some of the people on those close sets. Nice, lucky so you. I, I got one lucky sleeping bag. Scrape me... scrape that off before yeah, I went I to bed. <laughs> I would have liked to be that sleeping bag. <laughs> the black mold was. I was envious of that black mold of that crew down there. But I've heard from other people who've worked on um, some of the newer trauma films like Return to Newcom High or Shitstorm or even Citizen Toxie. That Poultry Guys was probably one of the more grueling of all the shoots. Uh, from your perspective, would you agree with that? Or was uh, some of was there a harder film that you shot? Uh, well, the documentary about the making of, of Poultry Geist is uh, hilarious, uh, but it's the unvarnished truth of how difficult it is to make a trauma movie. And you see the, uh, you see, if, uh, right, the camera guy almost got, uh, the director of photography got, I don't know if he, well, you see. Yeah, he getting, started a fist fight. Yeah, a fist fight uh, and almost got his ass kicked. And uh, people fall in love and and uh, proposed in the documentary. And, I mean, there's everything going on in that. And you see how difficult Poultry Geist was to make and what a jerk I was in a large part of the event, uh, screaming at people. And uh, uh, and then the, in the middle of the night, we chose to shoot the nighttime scene with 300 zombie Indian uh, chickens uh, uh, the shortest night of the year, so we're battling the clock, and the DP insists that it's time for a cheeseburger. We need, we need pizza. Uh, no cheeseburger. Oh yeah, no, he, he refused pizza. Yeah, it had to be cheeseburger. So we had to give him an hour, whatever it was, uh, lo- uh, losing daylight, and he's inside reading. And he's the only one. He's reading a newspaper with his feet, uh, legs crossed. <laughs> And uh, he was a good, great guy. Just somehow in that movie, he uh, he became the uh, little kind of the bad guy in the behind the scenes documentary. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's weird because uh, he's have you have you did talked a great to, job? You know. Have you talked to Brendan Flint after after that, or do you know I, how he f- feels about how he showed up in that documentary? I don't know. I don't recall. I don't know that he's been in touch since then. I think he lives in Europe uh, with a beautiful wife. Okay. So I, I believe he has a knockout. One, one thing that the documentary doesn't show, um, which took me aback and 
made me realize one thing I want to do, how I run my sets was at the end of the day, no matter the arguments or like sometimes during shooting, like you just might not like any of us might not like each other because we're at ends artistically or whatever. But at the end of the day, when we wrapped, you went around to every single person on set, whether it was the the lead person or uh, somebody who was driving to and from set and you personally thank them. And it wasn't a uh, lip service. Like you could tell it was a deep heartfelt. Oh, thank definitely. you. You said it. And that's something that yeah. none of the behind the scenes documentaries show. And that oh. really, oh. really impressed me that that was something that you did. And I, I've taken that to heart on everything I've ever done after that to, to like it meant a lot on especially on some of those tough days on poultry guys like we're arguing in in a shit covered bathroom oh my god yeah (laughs) like that was probably the worst day for me on set was joe fleischer's joe fleischaker's shit day yeah the uh, diarrhea exploding diarrhea it just nothing worked right and we were all angry with each other but at the end of the day day. you still gave us a heartfelt thank you oh my gosh yeah i mean seriously (laughs) people (laughs) sleeping yeah i'm very i I mean it's not that long ago i was doing that you know i'm practically doing it to this day learning to shit in a paper bag you know i mean it's uh, I can feel it. It's in my blood. You know, I'm still uh, grabbing uh, the bread from the <laughs> the free breakfast if I'm up early enough or whatever. But by the way, the breakfast here in the uh, uh, that's what I I'm going to say the name the of morning. the hotel, but apparently it's really great. That's the what I hear. Free omelets. They should come in. I just it's too early. That's the problem. It's <laughs> very early. Yeah. I, but speaking you, of poultry guys with eggs, you know. That's exactly what I wanted to hear exactly. about. Exactly, no, no yolk. Yeah, you're cracking me up. <laughs> we shall not do that again. You are so shellfish. <laughs> you're very shellfish. Um, well, I I want to kind of jump jump uh, a little more to hashtag Shakespeare shitstorm. Okay. Um, but so we may have to kind of uh, wind this down I because I'm uh, getting weak. But we could all go out and have a, a bite to eat if you want. I I think we'll we'll wind this down um, after this. But I do want to. We can do another session too. Oh, we'll definitely have to. I yeah. think I think this will be the good kind of the in, the intro to Lloyd, and we'll we'll do more okay. on that. But uh, just a couple more things before we really wind sure, down. Sure. Sure. Um, so I watched Battle of Love's Return uh, before. Uh, this weekend, and you know, I this, noted uh, lip gloss is very it's sweet, it's rather tasty. Ooh, ooh, you're right, it is nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, but anyway, so I was. <laughs> I want more. <laughs> I was watching Battle of Love's Return, and <sighs> in one of the opening scenes of of that film, your father uh, quotes Shakespeare, and and I noticed at the end of hashtag Shakespeare shitstorm that you're probably similar similar in age to when he shot that as to when you shot um hashtag shakespeare shitstorm and you're giving your soliloquy and it felt like and i've heard you say in other interviews this might be the last movie you direct and it felt like kind of like a perfect bookend of of your filmmaking career uh was that intentional or is that no not intentional but uh, i certainly was extremely moved by the uh, Revel speech, which is the scene you're talking about, uh, and my the fact that my daughters are the in the shot with me, 
talking about, uh, you know, our revels now are ended. These are actors are just, uh, uh, you know, these are uh, they're just uh, dreams, and we are such stuff as dreams are made of. And and uh, you know, and meanwhile, my daughters are in the scene, and uh, you know, kind of has several. Yeah, I, I mean, I did uh, tear up. Uh, luckily, uh, our crew took so fucking long to put the uh, <laughs> lights on that uh, I think I gave better rehearsals. But I but, I don't uh, know if I've had... I, I was a bit teary in that. Uh, I don't know if any of your films had ever made me, like, weep before, but that scene oh, did. thank you. And uh, I think it just shows to through your career that you are a powerful filmmaker. Oh, thank and you, thank you. My stepmother, Seagrin... To, for whom uh, hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm is dedicated, along with Stanley and John G. Avelson, she wept during Toxic Avenger. So we had the first screening. It was an investor screening, and my father brought her, uh, Siegwin, my stepmother, and uh, Lenny Riefenstahl, and who brought a uh, some kind of big German judge to see the first uh, commercial, you know, first investor yeah. screening of the Toxic Avenger. And uh, it was quite a, it was a great, uh, great <laughs> evening. Yeah. I, I don't know if you're fucking with me. Did Lenny no, no, Riefenstahl no. actually? Yeah, yes, <laughs> yes, uh, because uh, she'd stay with my stepmother and father. And uh, by the time Toxic Avenger came along, she was interested. You know, oh, so my she, goodness. She showed up. And we didn't have, unfortunately, we didn't have uh, digital cameras. I mean, if, if we would have had it, you know, it would have been great to film some of that. And she was literally staying with my father and and Siegmund numerous times, and we had to, you know we had dinner with her. We went to you know hung out. And was, Did uh, you you she taught and us how to cook and with the ovens? I mean, it was like, uh, <laughs> must have been a gas. <laughs> Did uh, <laughs> special Thanksgiving? <laughs> Did you and Lenny Riefenstahl share any uh, tricks of the trade? We we uh, well, I was very. My wife and I were like really. Didn't want to screw around because, you know, the woman, it was one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. Yeah. And she didn't, she was just a woman trying to have a career. And if she had come to New York, Lenny Riefenstahl would have been cutting negative for Disney or something, you know, doing an anonymous, uh, you know, wo uh, yeah, woman, chattel, chattel. Yeah. And uh, so I, I understand that uh, she had an opportunity and, you know, she was a movie star in Germany, very beautiful, uh, these Alpine films. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, I, 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 she served her time. I mean, what, yeah. you know, what are you going to... She didn't... I don't think she really burned up anybody. Or, yeah. There was some... There was some talk that, that she had something going with Hitler. There, uh, uh, historians uh, have suggested that she uh, defecated on Hitler. And, uh, <laughs> so I, I don't know if that's true, but it Maybe turns just me a on, shitty rumor. So <laughs> I sure got a lot of bone around that. I tell you, it was amazing. But I, so, I want to know... Talk about surf Nazis. <laughs> I, had, I did not create surf Nazis must die, but... You had but, the foresight uh, to put it out. Yeah, oh yeah, the uh, stupidity probably. But that actually is a masterpiece. Yeah. It's a beautiful film, and that I... Uh, you know, when it came out, it was a bit just the idea of, of Nazi, but uh, and we pushed it big at Cannes, and uh, luckily it, people saw it the right way. Uh, well, I think it's also Michael Hers. Michael Hers changed the title to "Must Die," 
Rather, it was just Surf Nazis originally. I think that, and, well, and it's a funner title now. Yeah, well, like you, how do you, crit- you can't criticize it. It's, they must die, you know. It's but not a- it, it was, people were pissed off by it. Even the Surf Nazis Must Die title back in the mid-'80s. And uh, I think we got lucky because Ebert or, or, or Rex Reed, one of them uh, uh, was curious at Cannes and went to see it at the Cannes Film Festival. We went to theaters and went through. We had big posters in front yeah. of the Carlton Hotel with Surf Nazis Must Die. And uh, there were a couple of serious critics who, who saw it and saw that it was a good film. With a, with beautiful I photography love, of the uh, surfing stuff is. Uh, I'm a surf movie nerd, and like that's some of the best like of that era well, surfing any, footage. Uh, the guy who shot any Wednesday for, uh, uh, for the, director uh, uh, Red October or something. Yeah, uh, I know. Uh, I know who you you're know, talking about. It begins with D, maybe. Anyway. Uh, uh, you know, it's very good, uh, serious director. But anyway, that camera person did the uh, the uh, surfing and surf Nazis must die. Peter George is the uh, uh, also did Young Goodman Brown. Uh, yes, indeed, <laughs> with, <laughs> another trauma classic. Uh, well, also I'm a Rappuccini. I told you earlier, uh, I'm a, a, a Hawthorne freak. So uh, Peter, uh, when he came to us with that. And it wasn't finished, and we finished it. And it had a star in it. Uh, uh, I can't remember who it was, but sort of a, a star. Yeah. But uh, we, we lost our ass on that one. Well, I, I want to wrap this up, but one thing... Um, and Young Goodman Brown is a fine movie. It's Hawthorne. My God, what the hell? And we couldn't make two cents. Couldn't. Maybe it should have said, from the director of Surf Nazis Must Die yeah, comes Hawthorne's most explosive exactly. story, that's, Young Goodman Brown. Exactly. That's how we should have done it. <laughs> yeah, we should have done it that way. That's a great idea. You should contact Peter George. You should interview him. I, I would love yeah, to. We, he, surf Nazis is all his. And... Um, uh, the uh, producer's name slips my mind, but they're great guys and uh, wonderful uh, movie. You know, they just were way ahead of their times. Oh, right? definitely. Uh, I I want to wind this down, but one thing um, myself and I know other you know uh, people who love trauma and want to know like what is the the future for trauma? You know, especially you know in the next like. Like after maybe you and Michael pass on, is the company gonna go to your daughters, or what's the what's the future for Troma? Uh, after- that I don't know, but to some extent, uh, Troma has a life of its own. Uh, certainly, the Toxic Avenger, uh, among other things, lives on. So I imagine those movies uh, would be, you know, we we want them to stay in a group, so. I would guess at some point someone will come, pop up. But Michael Hers is a bit younger than I am. Uh, I know he looks much older, but uh, he is actually four years younger than I. And No, I'm joking. Michael is very, very attractive. <laughs> He's funnier and nicer and much more attractive. But he just doesn't like the. Uh, he's very private, very private. Well, tell him I, I really want to talk to him. Yeah, no, no, don't worry, I will, I will. And my daughter Lily Hayes and Charlotte Kaufman, who've been making a, a long-term uh, documentary, uh, uh, sort of inter, uh, dealing with the uh, our family, uh, they want to talk to him too. So uh, you know, 
and there's a guy writing a book about me. You ought to talk to him. He's he's a librarian of Dartmouth University. Oh, cool. And uh, um, uh, has a very no a great knowledge of history of cinema. Yeah, freaky guy too. Nice guy. Well, I really appreciate you coming on and being candid, and we're, we'll have to have you back. I, I want to have you back on so we could talk, you know, more about like the terror firmers and citizen toxies, and oh, like yeah, there's so God, many there's other so like much, there's so I much, agree, yeah. but like we can't have like a twelve hour no, interview. We, do, we can do it. Uh, I don't know about tomorrow because. I have to leave it too, but we can do Zoom. Can't yeah, we, we can do like Zoom, that. but this first one, it was important that we yeah, did it in no, person. I'm glad we did it live. Yeah, so yeah. thank you so much, Lloyd. And and where for for those out there who don't know where they can well, follow first you, first of all, thank you, Zach Beans, for being so uh, generous with your time and being you and Richard Taylor and. Zach uh, Fester, what? what uh, Eastman. Jack Eastman, uh, Kodak, uh, uh, founder of Kodak. <laughs> right here with Kodak. Rich. Isn't Kodak come from? He's swimming in money. We'd be living in a penthouse right came, now. <laughs> came uh, from uh, Colorado, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, at any rate, thank you very much for uh, spreading the trauma love in Colorado and you know getting that screening the other night at the C Cultural Center. That's uh, because of your work with the... Uh, Richard and uh, spread to the uh, wonderful uh, Colorado uh, festival of horror, of uh, film festival of horror and uh, boy was that the best audience who couldn't have had it was a, a lot of fun yeah great and and you guys uh, interacted with the fans and they loved you and Adam the killer uh, zombie, uh, uh, Adam the uh, amazing zombie, uh, amazing killer. zombie killer. <laughs> it's getting late, late out there for the. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm on New York time too, so I'm a little, bit, and I'm sky high on cat tranquilizer, so it's a, it's uh, it all comes together. It's and, called cheesing, where you sniff the glands of the cat. Oh, oh, thank <laughs> so, you. I knew there was a name for it. Yeah, so you've yeah. been cheesing with us out yeah. here. But uh, no, thank you so much. And where yeah, where yeah. on the social medias can people find more about you know what you're up to or just trauma stuff in general? Well, uh, uh, I spend a lot of time on cheesing.com, a uh, very good uh, site, uh, really good. It's uh, uh, knocked down the the manholeclub.com. Well, the bit. the vegan cheesing because it's a vegan uh, podcast. They use but, uh, almond butter, I think, to uh, and no uh, boy butter. Boy butter. Boy with, butter. With that's the thing of uh, nutritional yeast, that's right? That's the official butter of uh, the Otroma team. Uh, <laughs> Truffle butter. Uh, it's wonderful. <laughs> anyway, any rate, uh, if you want to hear more about uh, trauma. Uh, go to uh, talk and trauma. Uh, what they can learn all about it. Yeah, they. Oh, trauma now. We should talk about yes. Trauma now. First Tell them is, about trauma now. Trauma now Zach. is uh, is the only place where Adam the Amazing Zombie Killer is streaming, and all the films I talk about on my show are on uh, trauma now. Watch and it's on Roku and several other devices. It's it, a, an app, right? Yeah, it's an app. It's four ninety nine a month, which is cheaper than all the. The mega conglomerate. What about the uh, first month? What if you're not free. sure? It's what? free. What? It's free. So you can cancel after a month? Yeah, you can just sign up with another email address and get... Perfect. Well, yeah. So why, uh, 
What, what are we waiting I've for? I've gone let's through go, all the old ex Troma employees' email addresses who yeah. don't work there anymore. <laughs> so I'm about out of free. Yeah, FBI is going and knocking on all these people's doors, <laughs> stealing the Who's Troma this now? guy who keeps watching Eve's Beach Fantasy? <laughs> <laughs> and being disappointed. <laughs> Where's the penis? I don't see one penetration. That's terrible. I was what looking for Eve? those Louis Sue films. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> but, he's a very difficult man. But no, yeah, Troma, Troma now is it's amazing, and uh, it's the perfect spot for me to How do, do you, research. Uh, what do you do? You go to uh, you go to the app store and buy the Troma now. You app? don't have yeah. You just download the app and then you uh, sign in. It's free. You yeah. create your your login yeah. and it's free. And you can meet people there too. Yeah, like, so people on the on some of them like the phone app and on the website there's uh, message boards underneath the movies and you could talk back and yeah, forth i know sometimes yeah. you participate in that as well i have participated yeah uh... and uh yeah you could leave a little review on the movies on there or sometimes you can ask questions about the making of the movies and i've seen some of the filmmakers yeah, hop in on, on there talk too about it and the uh the uh, commentary track. If you, for example, let's say you want to see the Sergeant Kabuki Man NYPD and learn why uh, it's uh, less uh, disgusting than most of our movies, uh, there's a lot. It's a very you can get that on Troma now. You can get the movie and then you can watch it again with the commentary, and a lot of the questions are answered there. Or even the drunken commentary for Cannibal the Musical, which Well, that's is, uh, Trey and Matt. They were way ahead of their time. And that's probably one of the most infamous commentaries oh, that's, that's out there. Yeah, and they were funny. And the thing is, uh, there's hundreds of, of young uh, men who are getting drunk, and, and they're not funny. And you no. listen to the commentary. Oh Jesus! It, it's awful. I mean, they it's get, like being with a drunk at a cocktail party. They get they so get, yeah, you know. <laughs> they get so drunk they turn the microphone off at some point during Trey the commentary. And and it's still hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> Trey and Matt are great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lloyd. And I I always like to wrap it up with the crowd. Everybody out there, stay traumatized. Oh, thank you, Zach. Thank you. Thank you, Zach Bean, and thank you to the good state of Colorado. Ooh, and thank you for your warm embrace. Mm. Mm. Oh. Oh. Hold me. Hold me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>